testing one, two, three, one, two, three, testing. I'm Ben McAdams, and I represent Utah's 4th Congressional District. Before I was elected last November, I was the mayor of Salt Lake County. It's my belief that Washington might work better if we thought about governing the country the way mayors approach leading their communities. In this podcast, I'm hoping to show you what being a member of Congress is really like, and whether it's possible to run this country the way we run our local governments. Welcome to Washington. In this episode of Washington, Congressman Ben McAdams has a discussion with Utah County businessman Ashish Patel about the unintended consequences of archaic U.S. immigration laws and his 10-year quest to change them. Okay, so I'm here with Ashish Patel, who's uh, a resident of, of Utah here. And uh, Ashish has been working on legislation for over 10 years. That, is that right, you said? Yes, that's right. And uh, you came into my office in January. Uh, you met with my staff. I was, I don't know what, where I was. I was either back here in Utah or, but in, at any rate, wasn't able to meet with you. You met with my staff uh, to talk about this issue that we're going to go into. But the reason that I wanted to cover this on the podcast is, first of all, to give insight to to really this challenging issue that you're working on, but also maybe to pull back the covers a little bit and show uh, how constituents engage with their government and engage, engage with their congressmen uh, and, and to understand that process a little bit. So you were in there, you met with my staff, you weren't able to meet with me, but my staff did brief me on it. And then you came to one of my town hall meetings um, and they knew that you were going to be at the town hall meeting. So they sat down and, and brought me up to speed again on the issue and how we were working on it. And then we had, uh, I was intrigued and wanted to follow up and, and be able to help more. So then we sat down in my office earlier this week. So let's let's actually take a step back and dive in to the issue. And that is you are an immigrant here to the U.S., um, you came on an H-1B visa. So H-1B visa is for highly skilled workers. This means your employer can't find an American to do the job. Uh, and, but tell, tell us a little bit about H-1B, how you came here, uh, your work, and, and let's dive into the issue a little bit. Sure. Thank you so much, Congressman, for having me here. Um, an H-1B is a specialty occupation visa. You need to have an advanced degree or a certain body of knowledge that is required to do the job. So when I initially came to U.S., that was back in 2005, I came in on an H-1B, and then an H-1B is a dual intent visa. The visa by itself is temporary, but if somebody comes in on an H-1B, they can have the intent of immigrating here if the company wants to have them and if the person wants to stay. So that's what happened when I came here. My immigrant petition was approved in 2011. So essentially what it means is it has to go through all of these steps to come in. It has to go through the Department of Labor. They have to certify that there is no American available for this job. It has to go through USCIS who vets the employer, making sure that the employer is doing everything right. They vet the applicant, making sure that they have all the qualifications needed for the job. And then um, for immigrants from certain countries, there is a, a waiting period based upon their country of birth. So that could vary as much as from a few decades to over 100 years if you are specifically from India or China. So that's the background on this. And So tell me, what, what's your degree? My degree, I have a bachelor's in industrial engineering, and I have a master's of science in cybersecurity. Okay, so you very specialized degree. You came here, uh, where do you work? 
I work at overstock.com. Okay, and you're in software engineering, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so highly specialized. Uh, I know from many employers here in the state of Utah and throughout the country uh, in the high-tech space need these employer in these employees to continue to grow. So this is kind of a win-win where they can't find the employees. They'll they'll hire Americans if they can, but they can't find find right. enough Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're hiring from abroad. Uh, you come here. You help to build a company in the United States. Um, you you have been here now for 13 years, if yep. I do the math, going on 14 years, yep. 14 years. Mm-hmm. 14 years. Uh, your wife is here as well. Uh, so you came, you're, you're a legal immigrant to the United States on an H-1B visa, and uh, you want to, um, but that, that H-1B visa has to be renewed every three years. That's right, Congressman. So once my immigrant petition is approved, then the six-year limit goes away. Um because there is a long wait time, Congress passed a rule back, I believe, in 2004 or five, which would allow the H-1B to renew until a decision is made on the immigrant petition. So, so you're petitioning what, for a green card for, and then ultimately citizenship, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay. So, um, but the current law has a cap on immigrants from, that we can have no more than 7% of immigrants from any particular country. So India, second largest country in the world. Um, it has a lot of people and, and a lot of highly skilled workers who are coming here and are seeking to immigrate legally. But the 7% cap means um, the line is incredibly long. You explained it to me as if, say, you go to the DMV and you take a number, right? Mm-hmm. And your number is number 98. Um, you'd think that, okay, so once they get to number 98, you're next. But 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 because of the 7% cap, cap it's the equivalent of saying you can only be served by cash register number 11 and you're going to have to wait in line with everybody else from India. And that line now is over 100 years long. Cato Institute did an analysis on this, and they have published it as well. So they have, uh, if uh, for immigrants or legal immigrants who are coming here, uh, if they have advanced degree, the wait is about 151 years is what their estimate is. So you need to stay healthy, <laughs> really healthy. <laughs> yes, Congressman. <laughs> That's going to take a long yeah, time. It's Yeah, I don't. With the wait, uh, I've been lucky enough where my immigrant petition was approved in 2011. So maybe for me, it's a few decades. And if somebody comes in, if there is a a researcher or a scientist or a doctor who comes in from India today and the company files for his immigrant petition, they are looking at about 151 years wait time. So that's that's not only that's bad for your employer, right? Mm -hmm. They don't know. Um, what your what your status will be from year to year? This does have to be renewed. Uh, you you want to immigrate? You want to become an American uh, and go through that process legally? But it's several decades to 150 years, depending on your circumstance. There are also some interesting. So when we sat down in my office earlier this week, some really interesting other consequences that I I hadn't thought of that you raised. The you want to buy a home. You want you don't you want to buy a car. You don't know if you're going to be able to continue to have a job here next year, the year after that. Um, you're married. You have uh, one, one kid. Is that right? Two or kids. Two kids. Mm-hmm. Two kids. Um, your spouse is de- her her work status is dependent on your work status, right? That's correct. So you've been working for a decade on legislation, and uh, you came really close last year, right? You had That's right. Um, strong support in. In the House and the Senate, it actually made it into a bill that was likely going to pass. And then what happened? So this was, we had 329 co-sponsors in the House last year. And I believe this both was... Parties. Yeah. Both parties. Yeah, bipartisan bill. So this was a part of, uh, I believe, the appropriations bill that got stuck last year and uh, was part that had the government shutdown happen through. So again, it is my belief that this would have passed had the shutdown not happened and gone through. 
So that's that's how close we were. And 329 bipartisan co-sponsors. Again, um, the same bill had passed the House back in 2011 as part of, uh, it was, I believe, HR 3012 back then. So that had passed 389 with 389 votes. So that was a, a big majority that passed through. So mm-hmm. we are trying to get the bill again. I believe right now this bill has over 260 co-sponsors as of today. Mm-hmm. And then when we met, I've agreed to to sign and on so as a co-sponsor for this legislation. So you're hoping to get up to 270 um, and ultimately 290, right? 290 and, is when the House would bring this up for a bill. So that's what our target is. That's what we are trying to get to. And the thought is since the Senate's already passed this bill, uh, then we can get it past the House and the Senate will pass it as uh, well? The Senate has not passed it okay. yet, but the Senate has, I believe, more than 20 co-sponsors so far. Okay, so you're optimistic it'll also yes. pass the mm-hmm. Senate. And then what you've heard from the White House is they won't oppose it. That's what we know so far. So tell me, it's been it's been thir- 14 years. Tell me what that's like, uh, what that does to, you know, is stressful for you and your wife and your family. Yeah, Congressman, it's really stressful because my life is in terms of my H-1B renewal. So out here, um, my employer has been really nice to me. They've taken good care and all, but not everybody is as lucky. And... For me, if I lose my job for whatever reason, I just don't lose my job. I lose my ability or my my privilege to stay in this country as well. And it's really stressful because I have two kids who were born here. Um, We took this decision back before I had known that there was this huge wait time. So at that point, I had a choice between moving to some other country or U.S. And, you know, at that point, we said, well, you know, let's stay here and do all of it. And that's where I decided to pursue here. But now, every three years, my H-1B has to be renewed. And for whatever reason, if it does not get renewed, or for whatever reason, if I have to switch my jobs or I lose my job, then I have to sell my house, get my cars, everything. I have 10 business days to get out of the country if that happens. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Especially if you have a home. You can't sell home in 10 10 business days, right? Right. So, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I hear about this not only from individuals who are, going through the stress of trying to renew a visa, but also from employers who, you know, especially we have a strong tech sector in my district here in Utah that we're trying to grow and, and they need employees to continue to grow as, as their businesses expand. And so, uh, the, the, um, the, the tech Silicon slopes that we call it mm-hmm. tech employers here are trying to, uh, get this as well. Cause they need the employees. What are their options? If you're, if you're a, a highly skilled software engineer looking for a job and, Overstock or, you know, uh, Adobe here in Utah is trying to recruit you to come. I assume that's not the only job offer you have. What what other options do you have? And do you think that that this dysfunction of our immigration system, um, do we lose people to competitor countries? Yes, Congressman. That really has happened in the last few years. There has been a trend of um, immigrants, you know, favoring Canada more than U.S. because just look at my story. I'm just one amongst thousands out here who's been waiting 14 years without knowing which way. Um, for Canada, the whole process takes maybe four to six weeks. So if if you have, and what Canada does is it gives out the green cards to the employees themselves. So they don't give it to an employer. The employee looking at their skills, as long as they meet certain requirements, they get green cards and they can work for any employer they choose. So what it does is it it enables them to find the jobs that they like. It enables them to work for the companies that they want. Out here, um, to change jobs, I have to find an employer who's willing to give the job and to petition for that. And like I said, my employer has been really nice, but a lot of other employers know that 
you know what, if I file for him, he's not going to be able to go anywhere for X amount of years. So they do try to take advantage of the situation. And that's bad for American workers as well, because that causes, you know, wage suppression. So and and because you're on a visa, you're worried that what if I get fired tomorrow or what if I get laid off tomorrow? So it really puts a lot of power in the hands of the employer since they control that's the visa. Right. And mm-hmm. hopefully you're working for a good company that's not going to play games with that. But you're, you're 10 days away from, you know, your employer has this incredible power that they can dangle over your head. And it's not only lends itself to the possibility of abuse, um, but also I think, you know, let's say you have a great idea to start a business and, you know, you've got a new app that's going to be a new business mm-hmm. in Utah. It's going to employ 100 new people. Uh, but you decide you can't do that, right? Because your H-1B will expire uh, if if you leave the employer and start another business. And so that's, we're maybe stifling innovation as well. Yes. And, and one other thing is on an H-1B, I cannot do a business. Even though I have an idea, I want to set things up. And I do. Like, matter of fact, I have a few ideas that I want to bring in that relate to the security for e-commerce websites and all. But I'm not able to start my own business because my H-1B, my work visa, does not allow that. It allows me to only be employed by the employer that has petitioned for me and only for the job description that I have been employed for. So let's get to the fix. The fix is you're going to uh, the legislation that you're hoping that will pass mm-hmm. will will eliminate this per-country cap, right? That's so correct. that you take a number, you're number 98 in line. It doesn't mean you can only go to register number 11. It means you're going to be number 98 in line. So it'll mean that we're. it's not going to increase the total number of, of H-1B immigrants that we allow, mm-hmm. but it's not going to say... Uh, it's going to allow someone in immigrating from India to compete with somebody immigrating from Pakistan to uh, on a uh, you know more equal basis. That's correct, Congressman. So this all it does is it does not increase any number of immigrants that are coming in. All it does is it everything else being equal, it it removes the discrimination that's based out of a country of origin. Mm. So today um, I am also an employer at Overstock. I have teams and I manage people in there. When I sit and when I go into a job interview, I cannot ask someone what country are they born in or what country do they originate from. It is illegal for me to ask that. But when my immigrant petition comes in for a same or a similar job, that is exactly the reason on which I'm separated out. So that's how ironic this actual situation is. Might even give incentive for an employer to discriminate when they legally can't because if they want somebody who can get legal uh, and more predictable immigration status more quickly, That's um, it, it makes mm-hmm. it hard. So um, the legislation that if it passes, it will go a long way to fixing this problem. It's not a perfect fix, but it, it maybe takes some of the pressure off. Is that what you say? That's correct. That All we are asking for is fairness. We ask that we be treated the same way as everybody else. So we want to be in the same line. We want to be given the same fair shot at making you know the American dream come true. So we just don't want to be restricted based upon how many people are coming in. So if you look at it, the 7% cap is arbitrary. Um, A person who's born, say, in Greenland that has maybe 100,000 people population total has the same 7% quota that India or China that are one of the most populous countries. So tell me about your wife's experience and and, and, and what she thinks about this. Yeah, sure. So my wife was not able to join us today. She had other commitments. But um, it was really stressful for her because when she came here, the first thing that happened, and again, I came back in 2005 when the H4 EAD was not around. So for the first 10 years, she just had to sit at home. 
So she was bored out of her mind and then she would go in and volunteer at libraries or hospitals or other things that just so that she could go out and meet people and interact with that. So that went on until um, my kid was born. So then she took some time off. She stopped volunteering until he was four and then or five and went to school. Then she started the volunteering back again. So that went on until 2015. And she really wanted to have I think she's lost the chance at having a career because now she has a 13 year gap in her career that that, you know, is not going to come back. That's time that we've actually lost. And that's something that we hope does not happen to other intending immigrants because this does scare a lot of my friends away. When, you know, I talk, I look at the newer folks who are coming in now, they are coming in on the premise that, yes, my spouse will be able to work. A lot of those spouses are qualified as well. They have their own degrees. They are all skilled immigrants themselves. And when they cannot work, they choose, okay, where do I go? I have country X that is going to give me, you know, work authorization right from day one. Or if I go to US, I don't know if I will or will not. And then in this case, with the changing administration, the rules change again. So you don't know which way it's going to be. And that's the big uncertainty. And your kids are US citizens. They want they want their ki- their parents to, that's to, correct. to become citizens of the country that they yeah. call home. So that's one of the main reasons why we are here. Like this is a country that has given me all the chances, all the opportunities, and it's my time to give back. So I want to give back to my community. My kids have, you know, are raised here. They are born here. So that makes it difficult. Um, it is so easy to go to any other country now. And as a skilled immigrant, knowing what I know now with my years of experience, But this is where I want to give back. So I want to have at least a chance at making it right and see if it works through. Because we want to make sure that America still can retain the best and the brightest here and is still, um, you know, leading when it comes to legal immigration. So Ashish, Ashish, thank you for sharing your story with us. Thanks for being part of our Utah economy, part of our country, uh, and for giving back. Um, Let's watch this bill as it moves forward. I think we have some optimism. You, You were telling me that on the Senate side, uh, it's being led by Senator Mike Lee, Utah's Senator Mike Lee, a conservative Republican, and Democrat Kamala Harris. That's correct. So Senator Lee and Senator Harris have come together. So this is a bipartisan bill, both in the House and in the Senate. So in the House side, we have Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren of California, who's leading this, along with Congressman Ken Buck of Colorado. So it's a bipartisan bill on the House side. Similarly, on the Senate side as well, Senator Harris, along with Senator Lee, are the driving force behind this bill. Let's get it done. Yep. Thank you so much, Congressman. Thank Thank you you for having me. I want to thank you for listening to Washington. What I'd really love to hear is from you. To follow this journey, subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the KSL Radio app, and anywhere you find interesting podcasts. To be part of this experiment in making the world's most powerful city responsive to citizens, please email me at tips at loudmouthproject.com. We would like to thank the village that made this podcast possible. Andrea Smartin, Danny Akana, Allison Hayrend, Ashish and Pervy Patel, and of course, Congressman Ben McAdams. Washington is a production of the Loudmouth Project.